Our podcast is supported by Adobe in the Adobe Creative Cloud, the world's best creative app and services, so you can make almost anything you can imagine wherever you're inspired. We use Adobe to help make this podcast using Audition, InDesign, and more. So join the creative community with the Adobe Creative Cloud, and let's make something better unlocking your world of creativity. Tap into your most original thinking, organize your ideas, and create the opportunities to launch your creative work. Unlocking your world of creativity with best-selling author and brand innovator, Mark Stinson. Welcome back, friends, to our podcast, Unlocking Your World of Creativity. And the world of creativity is getting wider and wider. And just in the last few episodes, we've done our virtual travels in places like Norway and Estonia, Portugal, Bali, Indonesia, and in the U.S., Nashville, New York City, Sacramento. Well, we're traveling today to Cape Town, South Africa, and we're talking with our friend Ross Simmons. Ross, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me. And Ross, is world, his world is combining the ancient art of paper folding, origami, with the most up-to-date digital technologies and stop-motion animation. And we're going to talk about that overlap. We're going to talk about the brand implications of that overlap and the work he's doing with major brands, the name brands that you, you'll know. And we'll also talk about his creative voice and expression all over Africa and his company, White on Rice. So, Ross, we've got a lot to cover. It's really exciting to talk to you. Yeah, thanks for having me on. It's it's yeah, it's always great speaking to people from anywhere in the world. But yeah, it's nice to have nice to be on the show. Yeah, well, thank you. Well, I think a good place to start is just that combination of origami and stop motion animation and how you began to see that overlap. You know, you're just sort of a hobby of one and a vocation of the other. And you said, hey, why don't I put these two together? How did that start for you? I mean, I could go all the way back to when I was a child and the first animation. I mean, I still remember the first animation I ever saw was Who Framed Roger Rabbit? I don't know if you remember. I that. love that movie. It was a movie. Oh, man, it was amazing. And that was the first movie or film I saw on the big screen, silver screen with my dad. I must have been five or six years old. So I think animation spoke to me then already. I mean, being, a you know, just I think animation speaks to to most children, but not everybody, you know, carries it in their heart through throughout their life and I think that was always with me I was always watching animations making little animations I mean those little flip book animations were sure. I guess that was the extent <laughs> to which I attempted to create an animation later on in my life I you know started messing with photography and I guess the stop frame animation thing just always fascinated me because it was a very very tactile very hands-on sort of what was in the camera was happening in real life just in a very staged and quirky way I, I found that you could add a lot of humor to stop frame animation. you can add humor to anything but I just I like the jerkiness of it I like the the kind of almost imperfect nature of it and so that's kind of where I guess you know throughout my life where animation came from but I've always been into music and sound. I was on radio for a little bit. I've played I've played guitar for the longest time. So always dabbling with on my, you know, Mac or, or PC, trying to make little pieces of content, even if it was just to make some a lot of the time it was just to send to my brother or my friends, you know, just sure. something silly that was that just didn't make any sense. Like, look what I did with my voice. This was back in the day when all you had was the like little waveform 
thing in I think it was on Windows. Yeah. Make little sounds and music. And it, it was just it was just something that that just lit me up. I could make this short, I guess, short form piece of content, <laughs> you know, if that's you know kind of how you look at it now. And deliver it quickly and then move on to the next piece. And going forward, I think you know, I've I've had many fascinations with with different things. I've been into hobby electronics and I'm a web developer by trade. So technically I I think I've got that technical, you know, that curiosity of how the machine world works. And I've had that since I was a kid as well. So I just at the moment, like or, or over time, I think slowly things started making sense in terms of how do I put all these things together? And it all came through origami because origami was, I guess, that that's the most recent skill that I've I've learned. I mean, I say recent. I started when I was 21 and I'm 40 now. And it was just, again, something I could create quickly with a piece of paper, fold it and give it to somebody or throw it away or do whatever it was. But it was just this, I guess, this ritual act of taking a piece of paper and folding I, what I, all I could fold for the longest time was an origami bird, little crane. Yes. And I folded that over and over and over. And I, it was always just, I was, I was never really the origami guy or whatever, but people would always know that if there was a little crane around and I was around, they knew it was me that had, had folded it. And the more I, I guess, entered into that world and started looking at diagrams and, and tutorials online, the more I saw, wow, there's this whole, you know, community and art form centered around this, this ancient art form. And I, I don't want to say that I had an aptitude for it. I, I enjoy puzzles. I, I like solving things. So for me, it was cool. There's this tutorial or, you know, book or whatever that has this origami bear or dragon in it. And it's got all the instructions and all you need is a piece of paper and the patience to follow the instructions. Mm -hmm. So I just went ahead with that and, you know, did that as much as possible. And in 2014, I decided I needed to document myself, at least attempting to get better at this whole thing. So I did that on Instagram and I decided to do a full 365 day project, which was posting one origami figure every day that I'd found in a book or on a tutorial online and fold it, take a photo of it, post it onto Instagram. And yeah, that's, that's all it really was. It was, I, it was nothing more than me wanting to keep a digital record of everything I'd created. Yes. And yeah. I love the fact I, that you say the word just. I mean, this is what got my attention is that, you know, you can scroll your Instagram feed back to 2014 and just, you know, what is that now? Nine years of yeah. a body of work. And then it becomes animated and then it becomes, you know, color and lighting and you know, shapes and sizes of, of all types. It's an amazing yeah, exactly. body of work. Thank you very much. And I think that it's just, I guess, tenacity, I think, is is the one thing that I, I definitely have. And patience. It was just, I, I'd never really set out to become, no, who sets out to become a paper folding artist and, mm -hmm. and create a career from it? I mean, it. I still question it. I mean, nine years in and I've got a brand and it's, you know, it's doing well and I'm getting, I'm connecting with people all over the world and brands. And I'm like, is this still a thing? You know, I guess yeah. the whole imposter syndrome thing, you know, it right. always creeps up. But I guess where the, where the animation kind of came in was while I was doing this project, this one still photograph every day for a year, the, obviously, you know, based on what I've just said about animation, it, it really spoke to me in terms of how do I take origami and bring it to life in some way i wasn't the first person to do origami stop frame animation i mean stop frame animation can be done with anything with clay with wood with you know sand and i just decided to see what 
or the, I guess the possibilities were around that. I started designing my own origami designs and just telling little stories with them. And, and when brands saw that, they were kind of like, wow, this guy's got, you know, he's done this project. He's doing pretty well on Instagram. Well, he's got a decent following and he's doing something different. Let's approach him to see what he can do. And yeah, I mean, that was at the end of 2014 where, you know, I started getting international, uh, I guess, recognition and I, yeah, haven't looked back. And now I guess going forward, what I, what I, what I have tried to maintain was that curiosity of what can I do with origami and all these other, be it new or old skills and interests that I've cultivated over the years. And how do I blend them together? And yeah, and it's working for me. And and I now I get just I, I get to you know connect with with people that are doing some crazy stuff. I I recently connected with a guy who does augmented reality, and you know and virtual reality stuff. So he's into all the sort of headset stuff, and and kind of one of the front runners of that that whole space. Also very much into the AI technology as well. And him and I did a, a, collab, a collab where I created the origami piece. He kind of did the 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 back end of you know how to create this as a filter and on instagram you can now find a little origami rabbit and whatever which you can create an augmented reality filter with so for me that's just the, the fact that i've i've just stuck with that style of origami just keeping it you know that ancient i guess art form but seeing how it can bleed into pretty much anything yes i think for me is is, is something that i'm it's something i'm proud of but it's also something that i think anyone who's interested in anything any any sort of creative art or, or whatever it is can definitely blend it into anything. If you think, I mean, that that's where creativity comes from. Taking two things, in my mind at least, taking two things that have seemingly very little to do with each other, bringing them together and see what you can create. And a lot of the look, a lot of the time, I've created some really bad stuff. <laughs> it doesn't work. It, <laughs> well, that's the horrible. experimentation, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. Yes. And 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 I have tried my hardest to try keep. Uh, posting that stuff anyway because it's nice for people to see progress i love it when i see someone that did like a this was 2011 and and this is now 2020 or 2023 look at the look at the contrast and when you see that it's kind of like you, you don't think that you're growing and changing and developing but when you see something like that you're like wow we've actually done something yes well and your instagram following has changed and morphed over time yeah i think you started with like 100 followers you know now you're over 100,000 yeah, exactly. And and everyone starts everyone starts at zero. When you start your Instagram account, Facebook account, Twitter account, everyone starts with zero, 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 zero following, <laughs> zero followers and zero posts. But that can change. You can have you can create fifty posts and have a hundred thousand followers. You know, it's right. it's not I'm not saying that's what happened with me, but it is possible. Just keeping consistent and and yeah, it's 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 been a magical ride. Honestly. Well, and like you said, got some attention of some big brands like Red Bull and Adidas and Disney and Nordstrom. I'm reading this list here, Sony and PlayStation, Samsung, McDonald's, but you've also created your own brand. You know, as you said, you're website developer, maybe by, by trade, by training, but you've really been able to shape this craft as your own brand and your own company. Tell us how you did that. I think I remember because at the beginning of that Instagram project, I was posting every day and I was posting it as myself, as Ross Simmons, you know, origami guy. I didn't call myself anything at that stage. Sure. And the people following me were just friends and family and, you know, kind of people that slowly filter into that that field. And I, I'd for the longest time, because I come from a web development, although I was in, I was in advertising, I was building websites and applications, 
web apps, that sort of thing. So I had this advertising environment around me all the time, a lot of creativity. And I was always over, you know, looking over at what the designers were doing, what the, what's the project manager doing? What are the managers doing? You know, what's the illustrator doing? What are the animators doing? And I'm just sitting there, you know, putting up whatever they've told me to do. Like put this website up, needs to be up by that date. And so I always had my eye open to what was going on around me. So I think when I quit my job, which I did during that year that I started the Instagram project, I thought to myself, it's just a cool thing to do. I wanted to create a brand. I didn't really know what that looked like. I didn't know, you know, what it was going to be or anything, but I just felt that I wanted a brand. I wanted something that I could work on and bring, potentially bring other people into and create something different from, you know, from that whole, yeah, different from what I was doing. And and that's where White on Rice, the brand came up. And the name kind of worked. It, a friend of mine used to see all my little origami figures all over in coffee shops and, you know, whether it was at somebody's house and she would tag me, she would take a photo of it and tag me on that, on Twitter at that stage. And she was like, I see your little origami figures all over the place. You like white on rice, white on rice, you know, the expression meaning yes. you know, you, you've got it covered. You're everywhere. Yes. You're <laughs> everywhere. And I was like white on rice, like rice, Japanese, white, you know, it just, it, it worked out so well because yeah, paper is white and it's, it's an ancient Japanese art form. So I was just like, that sounds like the coolest origami brand name ever. So I just took it and and I ran with it. Love that. And I think a lot of us creatives, you know, we've heard this phrase, do what you love and the money will follow. And they probably imagine people like you say, oh, I like to do origami. I think I'll make a craft and a vocation out of this. But uh, your entrepreneurial journey certainly had to have more foundation than just I like to do this. I think I'll try it and see if I can make some money out of it. Yeah, it, it, it's and it's still like that. I, I I have yet to follow the money. Honestly, this I mean, I need to make money. I need to eat. I need to, you know, I need to survive. But the every time I've attempted to go down that route, which is like, okay, let's let's go make some money now. Let's create this thing that's going to make me money. It just didn't feel genuine. It didn't feel like I was doing it for the reason that I initially started the whole thing, which was to express myself creatively and and potentially put it onto Instagram or, or, you know, just share it with as many people that were willing to watch or to see what I was doing. And uh, yeah, I, 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 the, the money thing is just something that I eventually worked out. Like, you know, I'm doing something different and I would like to do more of this as much as possible, as often as possible. So the only way I'm going to do that is if I stop everything else and I focus entirely on this. And I just believed kind of blindly. I was just like, well, I'm just going to make this work and see what happens. And I started doing, you know, animations and, but I also do installations. So I learned how to design origami figures. And I also sold myself as an origami installation artist. So that was the, if the animation stuff wasn't working out, I was always available for events, you know, whether it's me sitting there teaching people how to fold a whole bunch of cranes or whatever the case is, or me getting together with a team, folding a whole bunch of butterflies and then creating it for an installation for a brand or whatever the case is. And just over time, I just, you know, having a few entrepreneurial or entrepreneurs around me, I would keep asking them, I'm like, am I charging the right rates? How would you charge this or, or charge for this? Or, and, and they would break it down and say, cool, well, go about it in this way. This is how, like, I would do it if I was charging for my agency or as a freelancer. And having those conversations, I worked out, okay, cool. You, yeah, it's like anything. You, you have to learn how to do that, that sort of, I guess, the, the, the money side of it, you know. And, and I urge any creative who is starting their own creative venture, like, you think, like, you know, do the thing and, and the money will come. But you need to understand money. 
in in some way, shape, or form, and you you have to develop a relationship with it, which is which is exactly what I've done. And I mean, it's a, it might sound silly, but I see money as this entity that it's almost like a f- a friend that I get to see every now and then. Sometimes they're there to want to say hello, and you know they hang around for a while, and then they disappear for months at a time. Yes, and then you just hope and you hope that they come back. <laughs> and, well, you've described and, this word relationship, which I think you know is the mental shift that a lot of us need to make, isn't it? That, you know, the self-talk even that says, oh, I'm not that good at money. Oh, I don't like to get my hands dirty with the finances, that sort of thing. But but you really need to embrace it, don't you? Absolutely. And, you know, I understand people's, particularly creative people, it's like, oh, yeah, I'm not doing it for the money. It's, you know, it's like that's it, whatever. They, they have some idea of what that is. And I, I'm saying this because I used to be like that. I, I And I think it, that for me, came from a place of fear. I was scared that if I started calling myself like a commercial artist, or if I started charging people a specific amount of money, I was going to be looked down upon by whatever. And then I realized like, no one actually cares. Really, nobody. I mean, and and the more I started realizing, coming from a marketing background and an advertising background, understanding that you need to market and brand yourself in a, in a way that you can sell the work that you're doing for a price that allows you the lifestyle that you are comfortable with living. And once I made that connection, I was just like, well, this is pretty much what I, how I need to approach it. And I need to understand money. And I need to, like you say, like, like I said earlier, develop a relationship with it. And because if it's, if it's a dysfunctional relationship, it's going to be, you know, it's, it's not going to be easy for you. And I do see a lot of creatives suffer from that. They've got these insanely, you know, amazing talents and, they're putting them out there and then I'll speak to them and, and I'll look at some of their work and I'm going to be like, wow, you know, you must be, I hope you're charging like a lot of money for this. And then they tell me how much they're charging. I'm like, oh man, <laughs> you and I need to sit down and have a <laughs> Let's have another chat. <laughs> yeah, we need to. And uh, Well, the conversation know. someone had with you. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's, yeah. It was exactly that. It was like, mm-hmm. mm, I would maybe bump the price up. I remember somebody telling me like, whatever you set your price at, just remember that if you set it too low, taking it up really quickly is going to be difficult. So rather set it too high and bring it down. And for me, that made sense as well. So I kind of shot for the stars and and sometimes you you send a quote and you think like, whoa, there's no way somebody's <laughs> going to pay this. And they're like, okay, cool. Can we have two? <laughs> you know, right. Kind of like, okay, I'll, all right. And then there's times where you're like, oh, don't know about this. And you know, that you'll send such a small little quote and It'll just be, oh, unfortunately, you know, this is this where, where you thought like, wow, obviously mm-hmm. they're going to take this and then it doesn't come through. So you've got to play that game as well. It is. It's a game. It's a game of money. It's a game of, of, of relationship. It's a game of a bit of negotiation. We, we, my, my wife and I just landed at quite a nice job now, but it, there was a negotiation attached to it and it, and it was fun and it, it has to be fun. It can't be. I've seen so many people be so scared of the, the finance and, and the money side of it. It's like, and when they get money, it's just like they hold on to it and it's like, mm-hmm. oh, you know, it's just this, oh, I'm so, you can see they're grateful for it, but they're so scared of it. They, they treat it like it's this like almost unwelcome, but you're very welcome kind of guest yes. in the house. Yes. And it's just interesting for me, where for me, I'm kind of like, well, if you don't want to hang out today, we'll see you next week. <laughs> yes. Such good insight. Well, folks, my guest is Ross Simmons, and we're talking to him in Cape Town, South Africa. And I think that might be a good launch pad to talk about the creative inspiration and stimulation in the market in which you work. I saw a great profile of you and other African voices on CNN. And just talking about the diverse creative you know, forces and energy 
in Africa right now. Give us a sense of how that affects you, how that inspires you and plays into what you're trying to create. I've always seen, particularly Cape Town and, and South Africa, on a uh, the work that we do and the, the work we produce here is of an international standard. And I think that I automatically saw that when I started getting you know featured in all these places, I was kind of like, the work I'm doing is it. I come from Africa. I consider myself an African, but I'm, I'm, you know, I'm a white guy sitting in the very bottom of Africa, and I make money off an old Japanese art. So there's there's no there's no real I guess reason why all of those I, I guess elements should work together, but it also made me realize that being African and being from yeah just from from a, a continent that is well I can't really speak for the continent but from a country that I think for the longest time has just not not been ignored it's just been you know we, we're we're far, physically far away from a lot of the other I guess the the western cities and countries but slowly the work that we are producing is starting to become you know of of recognized at least on on an international scale um, and the work that is being produced here is is yeah, it's it's of the best anywhere, and I, I think going forward you're going to see a lot more South African and African work. I mean, stuff that's coming out of Nigeria and Egypt. There's there's a lot of cool artists doing a lot of cool stuff, and it's it's a wide range of stuff. And it, it I think a lot of the stuff that is coming out that's that's shining through is is very African. You know, like uh, the stuff I'm doing is not. It, it, I could guess. I guess I could lean on the, the African angle, but the work that is being done by the Africans is very African. And yeah, it's it's amazing. It's amazing to watch and see. Well, and thinking of what's ahead for you. We've talked about things like technology. We've also talked about, you know, AI and AR and everything else. Where do you see your work heading? I do see myself, I guess, or the skills that I've developed, I, I do see, again, you know, I see them being used on, on an international level. But I think for me, what what I really want, what I want for myself and for the brand is to be able to create something that has quite a bit of story attached to it, be it a series or an animated film of some kind, using all those elements. And if it has an African element to it, that would be amazing. But just something that that speaks to, I guess, the the nature of how we consume and digest content. I mean, I sit and watch The Simpsons almost every night, and that show has been going for, the, I think it's 34 seasons. And I watch that and I just think, you know, how did they get that right? They're up to date and it's it's quirky and it's it's just amazing. And I draw a lot of inspiration from that internally. And I think that for what I want for myself and I guess I guess for the origami community in some way is is for it, it to be recognized as something that can be, you know, that that you as a medium that can be used to tell stories, a medium that is it's visually very, I guess, well, it's undeniably, you know, unique and, and different. So yeah, I think going forward for me, just blending all the technologies and with, with AI, I mean, who's, who's to say that, you know, maybe I don't work with a team that creates some sort of AI origami stop motion animation type in, let's watch a movie about, you know, Donald Duck doing something <laughs> and it ends up being, an <laughs> and here it all motion. comes. <laughs> yeah. And so, I mean, I, I'm I, also the rate at which things are being created lately is, is staggering. So to say, you know, to, to have a, full-on view or focused view on, on where I see myself going. I see myself going forward in some direction using technology with origami. I guess that's that's what I, what I can safely say. Yes. 
Well, we can't wait to see the results of that because what you produce so far is amazing. And listeners, if if you think you're going to take, you know, a couple minutes to look at Ross's Instagram and you find yourself an hour later going, wow, that was a, a wild ride. <laughs> then you, you've experienced it the right way, I think, because it's some yeah. great stuff. Well, thanks for sharing all your insight and your creativity, Ross. Really appreciate it. Tell us where we can learn more about you and follow your work. Yeah, of course. On Instagram, you can find me. The brand name is White on Rice. It's white underscore on rice, white-onrice.com. That's the website. Or if you want to email me, ross at white-onrice.com. Fantastic. We'll put all that in the show notes so people can link into it. Well, my guest has been Ross Simmons in Cape Town, South Africa. His firm is White on Rice, and he's blending origami and ancient art with stop-motion animation and some of the most up-to-date digital technology you'll find. And it's been great talking to you, Ross, about you know creative inspiration, especially collaboration. I really want to underscore that from our conversation because sometimes we feel alone out there in the creative world and we have this image of the lone creator sitting in the basement, you know, trying to work on their craft. But without those collaborations and even just coffee conversations about how to improve our skills, we don't move ahead as fast as we could. Absolutely. Yeah. So thanks for helping us embrace that even more. Well, listeners, come back again next time. We're going to continue our around the world journeys. We'll be talking to creative practitioners in all sorts of fields and all sorts of places to gain inspiration for new ideas, but also very logistic and fundamental skills to run our business. And then, of course, how to get the confidence and the connections to launch our work out into the world. So until next time, I'm Mark Stinson, and we're unlocking your world of creativity. We'll see you soon. Unlocking your world of creativity with best-selling author and brand innovator, Mark Stinson. This program was produced by BSB Media, creators of IntelliKey Leadership Stories, Unlocking Your World of Creativity, and ThePeaceRoom.love. If you like this podcast, here's another show that you'll like from BSB Media. The Patients Speak, healthcare innovations accelerating the patient journey. It features interviews with healthcare leaders, patient advocates, medical providers, and researchers. Presented by 83Bar. Look for The Patients Speak on your favorite podcast app.